All right. Hello, everyone. Where I got all the right chats spots here. Uh, let me double check OBS. Yeah, it looks like we got sound coming from the microphone. Uh, piping in the desktop audio. Good there. All right, so we got a couple folks here already. How's it going? Uh, hello to Dave Odessa, Randall Bone in the YouTube chat. Zarnalyn over on Discord. Tammy, it looks like, Dexter, uh, Katni, and maybe G3 Holiday, I'm guessing is around as well. Yep, happy Friday to everyone. Definitely seconded on that. Uh, so introduction to folks that might be new. Uh, ooh, let me uh over here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so introduction to folks that might be new. Hello to everyone. My name is Tim, and I go by Foamy Guy on GitHub and Discord. Um, the chat that we have pulled up on the screen right there, uh, well, I guess there's actually two of them, but the top one is the Discord chat. That's on the Adafruit Discord channel, which the address is down below. This way, actually, adafru.it slash discord. So if you want to head over there, you can uh, hang out with us during the show, ask questions, or uh, just hang out with lots of cool folks. The one below that is on YouTube, uh, so you can uh, interact that way as well if you want to chat on the YouTube. Um, and then I uh, am not so good at paying attention to more than two chats. So there is, I think, a Twitch chat probably going as well, and I think we're on an, a couple of other platforms as well, um, but these are the primary two where you can actually uh, get my attention if that's what you would like to do with uh, with your chat. So if you want to ask a question or anything like that, Discord or YouTube are the places to do that for this stream. So speaking of the stream, what are we going to be uh, talking about? So again, for folks that might be brand new, we are working on CircuitPython related stuff. So the website right here, circuitpython.org, this is a great place where you can go to learn more if you are interested. Uh, but the quick version is basically that this is a uh, type of Python code. It's a version of Python code uh, or an implementation of Python um, that runs on these tiny computers called microcontrollers. There's a bunch of them in the background here. You can also click over to downloads page and see a bunch of nice photos of different shapes and sizes and everything as well. Um, I have on the on the top down camera, I have a another one of these microcontroller devices. This one happens to have a nice big screen with a touch overlay on top of it. Uh, so we'll be playing around with the display a bit later on. But uh, more generally, what we're doing is writing Python code that runs on these tiny computers and allows them to interact with other hardware peripherals. So uh, I'll be playing with the screen and the touch overlay, uh, but there are other devices without built-in screens. They have the ability to connect up to sensors and buzzers and beepers, speakers, uh, lights, you know, rainbow uh, LEDs, um, pretty much any kind of little electronical component that you could imagine. Um, you can connect up to these microcontrollers and then write Python code in order to interact with it. So, you know, if you want to read some data from a sensor and then, you know, send it off to the internet uh, to keep it into a graph um, of a, you know, keep, keep a database and then graph it out or something like that. Um, these little computers are allowing you to do that and you can write this uh, Python code in order to achieve that sort of stuff. 
Uh, I just noticed we're at 295 boards, so we're getting pretty close. Uh, five more boards, we'll be at 300 boards, which is pretty cool. I did see the other day, maybe earlier today or, or yesterday, sometime really recently, we passed like 350 libraries, I think, uh, which is another cool milestone. Um, so if you're interested in CircuitPython, again, you can hit up circuitpython.org. This is a good place to learn more about it. If you want to get involved, it is an open source project. So you, uh, everybody out there who's watching, can get involved in the development if you'd like. There's a link at the top of circuitpython.org right here to the contributing page. This is a pretty good place to start if you do want to get involved on uh, the Python side of things, writing and reading and reviewing Python code. Um, this has a list of all of our open pull requests and all of our open issues. So for uh, PRs, you know, you can take a look at the at the pull request. These are basically proposed changes. People have made proposed changes to the libraries. You can take a look at those and, um, you know, just offer feedback. If you have the hardware for it, you can try it out. Uh, let us know on that, uh, you know, on that PR post on uh, GitHub and just let us know if it worked or, uh, you know, if you had trouble with it or if you don't understand how it's supposed to work or if you think there should be other changes, you know, to the um, code or if you spot typos or anything like that. That's what uh, reviewing the PRs is all about. There's also open issues, including a bunch of open issues that are good first issues, uh, which are great for folks, again, who are just getting started but want to help contribute. Uh, this, A lot of these good first issues right now are adding the typing annotations. Uh, which I have some good uh, fun news to share this week about the typing annotations as well. I'll get to that in a moment, though. Um, so this is how you can get involved in the development. Uh, I would also encourage you, if you do want to get involved, to definitely head over to the Discord. Um, there's a CircuitPython dev channel where all the development uh, discussion kinds of, kind of uh, occurs between all the folks working on the project. Um, so head over there if you do want to. Um, I will mention as well, uh, CircuitPython, it's an open source project, so anybody can contribute, but it is primarily funded by this company, Adafruit.com. So these, uh, these are the folks that are paying the team that works on CircuitPython full-time, the developers, uh, also paying folks to you know, foster the community around CircuitPython, to author guides, uh, to, you know, to make projects and things like this. Um, all sorts of great folks working on different areas of the project, and Adafruit is paying them. Some of the folks work full-time on this project. Some of the folks like me work part-time and get paid uh, you know, to work on this project part-time um, and to do the stream and stuff like this. So um, if you want to support the project, but you don't necessarily want to get involved in development, another way you can do that is heading over to Adafruit.com and purchasing your hardware from them. By supporting them with your business, uh, you are helping support the CircuitPython project, and all of us who work on it definitely do appreciate that. Um, so let's jump into what... Well, let me catch up on chat, actually. Let me catch up on chat, and then I'll jump into what I'm going to do today. Uh, I'm also going to, I think, separate these chats so I can uh, not have them stacked on top. Okay, so... Yeah, that looks pretty good. Let, let's catch up here. Uh... Tammy, happy Friday to everyone. Happy Friday to you as well, and everybody as well. Uh, Zarnalin, let's see, I think I had some of this before. C. Grover, how's it going? Uh, good afternoon, good day. Uh, Zarnalin, looks like we got a nice comic going there. G3 Holiday. Potato, potato. Let's see. Nice GIFs or GIFs or whichever way you want to pronounce it. I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of pronounce it however you want, as long as people know what you're talking about and people are probably going to know what you're talking about uh, no matter which way you pronounce it. Unless you're also 
um, asking for peanut butter, uh, then they might get confused, but. Um, okay, so we caught up. So what am I gonna work on today? Uh, specifically, I'm getting into the tabbed layout, and I uh, a couple of weeks back, I did some planning for this widget, the tabbed layout, on the deep dive. So if you've been watching the deep dives uh, for the last couple of weeks, then you would have seen that portion of it where I did the planning. Um, on some of my Saturday streams, which I do Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Central Time, uh, I did some work on uh, some of the components that go into the tabbed layout, including... Um, making a paged layout, which is like a simplified version without actual tabs at the top or, or anywhere. Um, I did all of that work on stream, so if folks are interested in this particular widget, you can kind of see the whole history of this thing if you go back through uh, the VODs on YouTube and such. Um, I, I did also the preliminary work on the tabbed layout uh, on a Saturday stream as well, I think. So um, that's kind of the history of this project. Today what we're doing is uh, implementing the actual visuals of the tab. So you can see here I have some like uh, nice, you know, rounded rectangle looking tab header things basically. Um, and our goal today is to make our tab layout able to create these visual, um, you know, tab pictures and then put the text inside of them for each page um, or each tab within the layout. So, uh, this gives you an idea of how the visuals will end up looking. I will say, you know, the way that I'm building this is you'll be able to supply your own sprite sheet. Um, so mine happens to be like a gray background with a blue border right now. And I also have these other weird, strange lines, which happen to be green, but don't really come through on the camera that well. So you can kind of tell they're there, but maybe not what color they are. Um, and the whole kind of idea I have behind this tab layout is these are actually dynamic. You get to you get to control how these look based on um, whatever sprite sheet you supply. So, um, you know, don't get necessarily hang up on the idea of like, you know, what if I don't want my tabs to look like this? We are definitely building this in mind um, for you to be able to customize it, make them look like however you want. So uh, as we go throughout this stream, you'll see how we've achieved that. Um, so that's what I'm working on. Uh, let me catch up again. Happy Friday to Liz. Uh, notorious GIF, I like it. Huge proponent of using secret handshake type ways of saying words, especially acronyms that's not very inclusive. Yeah. Yeah, of not using secret handshake. Yeah, I totally agree, Nerdoc. Yeah. Especially true, yeah, especially true about folks uh, learning. If English is uh, not the first language, then like sometimes they have other influences that affect the way that they sort of just assume things will be pronounced for sure. Uh, software engineers are bored. Yeah, there's, I, I definitely think that's part of it as well. Uh, I mean, it's a, as an industry, like it grew from this idea of compiling, right? You have to wait a, wait a while for compiling. We have it really nice with CircuitPython. You just save it and it runs. But like, um, traditionally software development has had a lot of downtime. So I definitely think that's where some of the, uh, some of the weirdness and some of the fun shenanigans and things that developers sometimes get up to grows out of that like built-in wait time, um, the idea of compiling and running and stuff. And it, 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 in larger projects, it takes a little bit longer to build, and so you end up, you know, having a bunch of pauses to to try to fill with different stuff. And sometimes folks do a better or worse job of choosing what to uh, fill it in. Ask Patrick meeting in a in an hour, uh, but I'm here till then. How's it going, Ask Patrick? Hope you have a nice meeting when you do go. Um, so let's jump straight in. 
uh, I have the test code for the tab layout. So right now, this is basically a, a little example that I put together last night. Um, last night is when I implemented this, uh, what I'm now calling a tile grid inflator, um, which is basically the, the software utility that takes a tiny sprite sheet, such as one of these, uh, so this is what my sprite sheet looks like, um, the one that's being drawn right now. This is 96 pixels by 72 pixels, uh, but we can actually make it much smaller as well if we want. Um, and then it sort of inflates that sprite sheet by duplicating the center tiles of uh, the tile grid in order to add width. Um, and we could actually add height as well if we wanted to. We're making tabs, so we don't really need them to be that tall. Uh, but the inflator does support, you know, inflating vertical ways as well, which is kind of nice. I think there will be lots of other uses for this inflator thing. So I'm kind of happy to get this thing uh, created because I have another few spots where I think it will be really, really helpful uh, at making it easy to customize display.io widgets. Um, so this is kind of the test code I wrote last night when I was working on the inflator. Um, I was I did stream as well on my on my own uh, Twitch and YouTube last night as well. So if folks are really interested in the beginnings of this inflator code, you can find the VOD on that as well, including a, a previous night where I kind of made an attempt at it and failed, which I think is nice um, to show folks as well. Is like not everything comes out correctly the first time. That's like just part of software development. So um, you can see my first attempt at this, and then last night we got it working a lot better uh, in a different way. So that's what the test that's running right now is. I'm going to switch over, though. Uh, I'm going to rename. No, I'm going to copy-paste this. Rename this to uh, code uh, inflator test, tile grid inflator test. Tile grid, oh, actually, I already did this. OK, yeah, tile grid inflator tabs. I already did this. This is, let me double check. I think this is the test code that's running right now. Yeah, yeah, it's solely OK, so we can just overwrite code. Uh, I'm going to put the tab layout test, which is right here, has a gigantic comment in it. Only needs to be cleaned up still. It's here. And we'll go back to what we have so far of our tab layout. Okay, so this one's portrait. Turn this a bit. I may switch this over to landscape, honestly. Portrait, I find, is a little bit harder to stop the, uh, the light on the camera from reflecting back. I find the light on the camera helps the colors come through quite a bit. Yeah, I think let's just go ahead and switch this. Mostly I put it as portrait to see how many tabs we could reasonably fit uh, on the screen that way, and I think four is probably the answer. So we did get that answer, and I think we could just switch this back maybe to zero for now. Running Makeboard, Lowland C3 Mini right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Ask Patrick is waiting on a build right now. Uh, that's definitely, definitely how it goes sometimes. And the the larger the project, tends to be the longer it takes for it to uh, actually build, which means the more time you end up finding something to fill with, and hopefully finding something productive to fill it with. Um, so here's what we have so far on the tab layout. It's working pretty good. We have the ability to add the different tabs. Uh, I'll run through this test code real quick as well. So you uh, you create a tab layout. You give it some initial configurations. 
Uh, I then am creating, in this case, four groups, because I'm going to have four pages. Uh, so I create a group for each page, and then we can basically just create some UI stuff for each page. So in my case, I'm making a label uh, for each page. So I'm making four labels, and then I'm also making a shape for each page. Uh, and right now, this is using the um, display shapes uh, library. So we just create a couple of shapes. They each have different sizes and colors and locations and stuff like that, just to prove that the uh, the different pages are working correctly. Um, then we append uh, all of our content onto our group. So I made those groups further up, and we're going to actually append the label and the shape into each one of those groups. So this is setting up all of our groups. And then finally, once we've done that, we can just go and get our page layout, um, our tab layout, and call add content. And then we add each page worth of content. So our groups are what we add. And then we also get to choose a name for the pages right here. Um, once we have added all of our pages to the tab layout, then we can put the tab layout into the main group. Uh, we could actually do that first. The order doesn't matter too much, but I happen to do it after this time. So we put our tab, our page, our tab layout into the main group, and then uh, we have a bunch of ways where we can control which page is currently showing. So we have like show page. You can do it by page index. You can also do it by page name. Uh, the names that you supplied back here. Uh, we also have the ability to go like next page, previous page. Um, so like here, it's calling next page. We can do that, you know, just kind of over and over again. You can cycle through them, uh, sort of like a, a PowerPoint presentation or something like that. Um, and then there's also like a showing page index property. So you can update that. Eventually, we may cut down on the number of ways to do this. I do think it's nice uh, when you're building an API, maybe to try to provide not as many different ways to do stuff, because then folks start to wonder, like, what is the best way? Um, and it's not that there necessarily is a best way, but um, it's nicer to be able to just tell people one way, and then that's kind of the way. Uh, so right now, it does support a couple of different ways to switch. So this is our test code so far. And so right now, what we're doing with our tabs is we're just putting uh, text up there. And we do change the color um of the text based on which page is you know currently focused so the uh, one that's currently showing has a brighter white text for its tab label um, and then the other three have a like a darker gray text so uh, what we're going to want to do is draw our uh, like visual tabs like we just saw a moment ago we want to draw those behind these labels um, and then eventually what I would like to do is you'll be able to supply two sprite sheets, one for the focused tab and one for the non-focused tabs. Um, and so then that will be able to change the way that the actual tabs look as well uh, when one of them has focus. Pick the way whose behavior would be the least surprising to users. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's probably the right way to go about it. Um, I, I will say like all of the different ways make use of a uh, single function internally. So I'll probably keep that one, but maybe like leading underscore it so that it's meant to not be necessarily called from the outside and then just leave a single, uh, a single API. I, I will say though, I do like the ability of changing either by the index or the name. I would like to keep that functionality. Uh, but even within that right now, I have a function and a property or a set of properties um so like right now there's still multiple ways even beyond the fact that it's uh 
index or, or name. Um, so I do think that's a good idea. So let's, I think, just jump straight in. So basically what I want is inside my tab layout, we are going to make use of this inflator to create some visual tabs. Uh, and to do that, I'm going to go inside of the tab layout, which is inside Display.io layout, tab layout. And we will end up importing this inflator. I don't know exactly where this inflator is going to end up. I don't know that it necessarily makes sense to have its own library. I don't know that it necessarily fits in any of the libraries we have. Maybe the image load library. Not 100% sure. So this may end up moving to somewhere else. I don't know where its home is going to be. You know, maybe it's, I don't know if it'll be community uh, bundle library or, or CircuitPython org bundle. It's pretty heavily tied to Display.io. Um, so that's kind of still up in the air, but we can go ahead and start using it here to just get a sense for how it's going to work. Um, ended up not needing bitmap tools, so I'm actually just going to erase that randomly while we're here. Okay. Here's what we have so far of our tab layout. And so one question is, do we need to update this every time we draw tabs? I think we probably do. Draw tabs is kind of like our refresh function. Uh, when you call draw tabs, it will take all the latest information about the tab names and the currently active tab. It will take all that information and then render uh, the top, you know, the tabs portion of it, how they're supposed to be. Uh, so this does seem like where we would want to be doing our tile grid stuff. One thing I wonder though is like, don't want to be recreating the tile grid every time we call this. So ideally, I think we want to... How do we want to do it? I think we want to create n tile grids equal to the number of pages. And then uh, I th think maybe it's going to end up being easiest if we create n minus one standard tabs and then we create one you know focused tab and then i think we just swap the location to to move around with the focus um, i don't think there's an easy way to change a bitmap on a tile grid if there is then maybe we'll do it that way but i think right now when you create a tile grid you set the bitmap when you create it and then i don't think you can change it but what we can do is just create enough tabs, enough tile grids that we need, and then just uh, move the active one, move its coordinates to where the currently active tab is. Uh, but before I even actually do worry about the... Uh, did I figure out the refresh issue from the last show? Uh, I did not. The vector IO uh, hidden stuff, I have not figured that out yet. Um, I will dive back into that at some point, but... Did not get it worked out. Um, so before we even worry about the active tabs, actually, though, I'm gonna try the uh, I'm gonna try to just draw the tabs all the same. So I'm just gonna draw all of them the same. And I think let's see, where do we want to create them? Do we want to create them when we call add content? That seems a pretty good spot. Or I guess maybe we create them 
we create them inside of raw tabs and we just like check if they exist or not and if they don't then we create them and if they do then we just reuse them yeah i think i like that uh so i think what i'm gonna do is go self dot underscore um inactive tab tile grids is a list empty self dot active tab tile grid. Eventually I'm going to use this one and I am going to start with just making them all inactive first. Uh, so this will be a list and then basically when we call draw tabs I'll length of tab group less than length of names uh, I mean this is pretty much doing the same thing. This is creating a label for each page. So really we could be doing this right along inside of here. Um, I will make group, I think I will make, I think we'll separate this. Um, whoops. Let's take this one that we had called tab group and change it to tab labels labels group uh or or text text or labels let's do labels tab labels group factor and then i want to make a self tab tile grids tile grids group i'm just going to use two groups i think groups are fairly cheap and this way it's nice because we can iterate over them separately if we need to its group so this will be a new group uh, whoops group okay so then inside of our while loop here we're already looping the number of times we need because that is uh, the number of names that we have which essentially are the pages each page has a name uh, so we're already looping so we can just go I think why don't we just plan on making a new helper function and so we'll say something like self tab tile grids group dot append create tab tile grid create inactive inactive so this function doesn't exist yet of course create inactive i'm going to copy paste And this will need some arguments and stuff. Um, will it? Maybe it won't. Maybe it, maybe it won't. I think what we will do though, is we will want an argument for inactive tab write sheet. And then we're going to put that on self so we can access it later. Self dot inactive uh, right sheet. And I'm actually going to call it file. File name, file path. We probably don't need to be that specific. So my idea here is we're going to pass in the, the BMP file, the name of the BMP file. 
So then inside of here, well, for one thing, we don't we don't even need to do this if if the user didn't set this thing. So if this thing is none, inactive tab sprite sheet file. Bit of a mouthful. Maybe we'll shorten it. If this is none, if uh, is not none, then we want to do this. Why is this mad? Oh, because it doesn't return. Oh no. What? Why is this mad? Oh, self. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let me catch up also. Oh, it uh, looks like I'm gonna leave this one. Do, we, do you want one function, create tab tile grid with an active parameter rather than separate functions? Uh, I'm not sure yet. I'm gonna kind of go with the flow for a minute, but if I end up not liking it, I will definitely switch it up. I think right now though, I want this one that, that will create them for me. I, we'll see how the code ends up. If it's, it depends how gnarly it is in here. If it's really only like a one-liner or something, I may just collapse it and put it all back into here. Because um, it makes sense that it would happen inside of here as well. So I, we'll see how it ends up being. Um, but I'm not sure off the top of my head what it will be yet. So... Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, maybe it should be one function that creates all of them instead of this function, which it looks like is going to create them individually. But then we would... I mean, creating them individually makes sense because we're already inside this loop, which is running the number of times that we need it to. So I do kind of like creating them individually. We'll see though, let's see how it ends up. Uh, somehow it's gonna need to position them as well to get done somewhere. I guess really the positioning, it would be good to do it right here because this is where, this is where the positioning of the labels happen. So it would make sense to do it right here. Okay. Uh, so what does this need? This may not need anything. I think I'm gonna read from self. So I'm gonna grab my uh, inflator test code that we were running f at first, inflator tabs, this one. Copy this out of it. Here. Okay, so one thing is we don't have the display. Oh, we do have the display. Yeah, of course we must have the display, otherwise we couldn't have put the labels in the right spot. Um, so this stuff is just hard-coded. We will need to change this. We won't use this file. We will use self. 
inactive tab sprite sheet file. I just wrote this last night, but I still don't remember what the order of the arguments are. Take a look at the actual one later. It is a bitmap, target size, file size, which we can use the default transparent index. So target size. So target size. We want the size to be actually similar to the math that is in there but just not hard-coded. Oh, uh, oh right, we need to be inside of here. Yeah. Uh, so here we're just hard-coded dividing by three, which instead we want to divide by the number of number of aims. Number of pages, basically. So width divided by the number of pages and then divided by, and I hard-coded 32 because that was the width of my tile size. Uh, and so I think, hmm. So now we have a conundrum where inside of this function we are image loading this BMP file. After we image load it, we can access its width and its height. And that is where we get the tile size from. Uh, So how, but, but I would need to get it out here. So, I don't really want to image load the thing twice. I think what we do maybe is Maybe we allow this, maybe we allow those to be passed in? Honestly, I'm almost thinking we just make all these keyword args. We're gonna end up changing this anyway. So default, I think will be Target size three by three, which basically means the same size as the sprite sheet. Sprite sheet is three by three. EMP path equals none by default. And then 
BMP object, bitmap object equals none, palette, BMP palette equals none. Uh, hello to everyone, Mark Gambler, time to start my vacation. Nice, that's awesome. Always a good day. According to Fran Blanche's pronounced GIF, graphical interchange format. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with both. Cool with pretty much anything. As long as people understand what you mean, which in this case I think they will. So, cool with any. Um, so if we pass these in, then we'll use those instead of calling image load here. So basically, one thing I want to do is raise. If BMP palette, well, how does this work? So let's say if BMP path is none, and BMP object is none, and basically you need to give it either a path or an object and a palette. There might, I feel like I have, I'm missing something with this, but we'll go back and make it better later. Um, I think you could pass one or the other of these as none, and then that would trip this up, and really we need them both to not be none, but for now I'll assume that I know how to pass things in, and I won't worry about the, the exception, but we will go back and do it at some point. Um, so then we basically just go if uh, BMP path, not none then we do this elif or just else else if bmp path is none then we go image equals bmp object palette palette equals bmp palette so now we can pass these in instead of just doing the path. We can do either or. Which means we can save this and we can go back to here and we can, inf we can image load before we call inflate tile grid. That way we'll be able to get the width, which will in turn be able to give us the tile size, which we need right here. We're actually going to do this, import this, and then this will be file path interactive, in, inactive, tab sprite sheet file. Might change this to sprite file or something that's less of a mouthful. Oh, it should be self though. 
Now this will load, and then here we can do uh, image dot width over again the length number of pages. I almost want to variable just so the code is clear. Also want to do something like uh, page count. Page count equals this. And then we put page count here, which makes the code more legible. Because it better describes what it actually is. This describes it as well, but you just have to know about page layout and other stuff. Requires more ancillary knowledge. This one you can read just with English and not know anything else, and it still kind of makes sense. So display width divided by the page count, and then we divide that by the image width divided by the page. No. Okay. I have one extra. I have one extra divide. We divide by the tile size width, but not by the count again. We don't need the second count. It means we don't really need these parentheses either. A fraction of the display divided by the tile size. Oh, no, no, no. We do need. We do need this. We do need that back. We need this device because we don't want the full width of the bitmap. We want one third of the width of the bitmap. So I did have it wrong. We shouldn't be dividing by page count. We should be dividing by three uh, because the way this is intended to work is the sprite sheet you pass. We're basically making the assumption that one. That it's split up into nine, basically, that one third of the width is the tile size. So basically that there are three tiles across the width and three tiles down the, you know, down the side, which makes a total of nine tiles. Um, and then it uses the size of the sprite sheet to then determine how big those tiles actually are. So for instance, if you had an image that was 48 by 48, that would mean that your tiles are 16 by 16. 48 over 16 is 3. Hassan.212. I don't know what the dot .212 is for, but uh, how are you today, sir? Or uh, YouTube friend, I should say. Okay. And then 2 is the height that we want to target. The height that we want to inflate this tile grid and I do think 2 is probably a good place to start. Transparent index, let's just leave that one out for now. We'll come back and... Nah, let's keep it, actually. Keep it for now. I'm just Because I'm just going to reuse the same tabs, actually. Uh, okay, so this is going to load it. Oh, okay, we do need to change out this, right? We don't... We no longer... 
well, two things. Everything is keyword arguments now. So we do want the uh, target size. Target size. And then we don't want to use BMP path anymore. Target size equals. Just wish we had more room here. Size and then we won't do BMP path, instead, we'll do BMP object image BMP palette palette. Okay, this should create one of our inflated tile grids. So now, here we're looping over the number of names we have. If the user actually passed a sprite sheet file, then we are going to create the tile grid. We're going to inflate a new tile grid. We're going to add it to the tile grids group. And then we want to so we'll want to add our tab tile grids group. We're going to want to add that to our self instance group, I believe, because we are extending group. We would have presumably already done self.append for this one. Let's see if we can find. Yeah, it's right here. So we'll just make a new one here and this. And actually, we should do our tile grids before our labels, because we want our tile grids below the labels. The labels will get drawn on top. Okay, so now that group is basically going to be showing. It's on the self instance group, which means it will get drawn. Um, so here we have created this. We should return it. Return tab. I'm also going to call this tab tile grid. So this should create the uh, four because we have four tabs in this example, but of course it should work for any number as well. Um, placement is going to be the next thing we need to do. So here we are. Placing the labels, and unfortunately, the labels, well, I should say, fortunately, the labels have anchor point and anchor position, which makes them easier to place, in my mind at least. Uh, tile grids, though, do not have anchor point and anchor position, so we will need to do the actual math on the XY. Um, Okay, this is like updating the scale. If the scale of the actual label object does not match the current scale configuration, like the property that's setting the current scale, then set it. So it's using anchored point at the midway point, and then it's positioning that here. 
So I think what we will end up doing is self dot tab tile grids group i dot x equals it's gonna be something like this but not quite the exact same part of tab oh actually i we just want start of tab basically that was doing the width over two in order to shift to the center basically and so we're no longer shifting to the center replacing by the zero x so yeah i think that's just start of tab and then for now i'm just going to hard code y but we'll probably eventually come back and whoa, offer a way to uh Change-wise as well. I see right now my labels just have a hard-coded Y of 2, so I'll just code the same for these. So, yeah, I doubt this will work, but I think we are at least ready to give it a try. Yeah. So let me see if I can fix the focus a little bit here. Display has no group. Attribute group. Uh, probably I type display.group instead of displayio.group. Let me open up TO. Oh. I think we're on. What are we on? Yeah, we're on zero. Yeah, and I see some stuff on the screen, too. Hopefully that means we're on the right one. Yep, okay. Uh, and so let's run this again. Where does it crash, actually? It goes uh, tab layout 24. Yeah, indeed. Display.group. Uh, group index out of range. Tab layout 85, tab layout 102 is inside add content, draw tabs. Probably where we want to look, 85. So when it tries to access file grid at I, out of bounds. Oh! Because they did not get added, because I never actually changed the initializer function. Uh, yeah, so we should probably do this. Also on this stuff. We only want to set the location of the tile grids if we actually have tile grids, uh, which is what this is telling us. And then we want to actually pass this in. Inactive tab sprite sheet. In our test code, we need to go inactive tab sprite sheet equals, I'll just use the same one, BMPs test BMP for BMP. Should go back and test again without, 
Oh, it worked. Well, I think it worked. Ish. We have four? So they're, they look too big. Look too big. Also overlapping kind of weird over here. I'm not sure what's going on with this one. They drew something, though. This is a good start. Um, so for one thing is we'll want to move the labels down a bit. And this will end up being probably user configurable, but right now I'm just going to kind of make it look better than it does now. Um... Go back into here where we we're setting this to two. Let's try like eight instead. Move those labels down some. Still have room we could go further, but that's all right for now. We could also, let's just do this on zero. Let's not even put that two pixels down. Yeah. And we need to figure out what size is it trying to make them. So I'll put this into a variable. And then we'll print it. Maybe our sprite sheet's too big? Maybe we should go back to a smaller sprite sheet? I feel like we should have... We should probably be able to have room for it at least, though. Target size... Oh. Well, so for one thing, we should always have the same target size. Well, okay, so the problem is, though, we're calling draw tabs inside of add content. We're adding content one at a time. Hmm. Yeah, that actually, that gives us a bit of a problem because, I don't, can we just, can you change the width of a tile grid after you create it? Python dogs. I don't know, I don't think you can change the width after you create it. bookmark this page it's actually like a search index thing I use that works pretty well that one on this browser uh, oh this is um, link at display.io
Though these at least our dock string does, though they're just properties, so maybe we can change it. Let's uh let's take this code and put it back into tab layout test. Layout test. Um now go back to later test? Yeah, later test. Search is weird on read the docs. Yeah. There's a I have it bookmarked in Chrome and I have not added it for some reason. Mark this page. This page I like because it lists everything and you can do control F to find stuff. And it's faster. Oh, although it didn't find that. But it, I guess it did. It just didn't have the print C, which is what I typed first. Uh, so this page I really like, index page. You can control F to find stuff by bookmark. Nice. Um, this makes it seem like you can just change this. So here, what is this one doing? Okay, this one is just drawing a couple of different ones. And these ones are different than the ones we were just looking at because these are other sprite sheets. So that's the cool thing about this inflator thing is that you can uh, give it whatever source sprite sheet you want, and then it will inflate that to whatever size you need. Um, and I, the main thing about it is like it keeps the corners looking good. It's not just like stretching this, it's actually duplicating the center tiles. Uh, so let's just try changing the width on one of these. If it actually lets us. If it does, that's good, because then we can just change the width of our all of our tab tile grids every time we're inside of uh, draw tabs. Or we could check if the width needs to be changed and then change it if we want to be a little more efficient. But uh, So if we just go like, what is which here? 12, 10, okay, this is the big one. Other inflated tile grid, tile grid this is the big one. So can I just go other inflated tile grid dot width equals right now it's 12 Can i just set it to like four three four no it has no attribute with well probably true is it in print Yeah. I don't know which one it was though.
Yeah. We can access it, but we can't change it. It is weird that, that the error that it says... That it says no attribute with... Or does... I guess maybe does attribute imply settable? Maybe I misunderstand the term attribute. So we can't just change it. So that's actually, that puts us in a bit of a pickle because we either need to change the way the tab layout API works so that you're not calling add content once for each page and instead like add all content and you pass it a list or something. It does it, does it all at once or Or we have to basically recreate the tile grids anytime the width is different. The good news is, though, we will basically, like, let's say the user is creating four tabs. We're basically going to recreate the tile grid, each one, like, four times, but then we won't have to recreate them anymore after that. Which is not ideal, but... I guess will work. I mean, I see how else could we do this? I guess we could have an optional parameter that's like number of tabs and then we'll be able to use that. That's the crux right now. Basically, we're dividing by the number of tabs we have, but the first time we call add content, we have one. The next time we have two. The next time we have three. So like we're dividing by different amounts each time. But we need to be dividing by the total number, which in our case is four. But it doesn't know. It can't know when you're just calling add content. Um, well, this is not, not a tab layout test anymore. Tab layout test. When you're just calling tab add content, it doesn't know how many times you're going to call it. We have four here, but it has no way of knowing that. So I guess let's, yeah, let's give it, let's make it to where you can pass it in here as well. Tab count equals, I'll put none. Get back to the tab layout tester code, and we're gonna pass in tab count. Tab count four. So then inside of here, target size, if self dot tab count equals. Uh, is not none, no, is none, is none, then we do this. Or do we just make this required? Maybe this should just be required. Maybe we shouldn't bother if they do pass it, if they don't pass it, maybe we should just require it. I think I like that better, actually. Let's just say tab counts required. 
if ab count is none raise attribute error missing tab count argument let's do that for now then we can just assume that we have it so then inside of here our target size can be instead of page count ab count which is going to be on self but i need to still put it there ab count equals tab count now we divide it by the total number even though we're still calling add content we will need to rectify as well now like we've defined the tab count we don't have any actual bounds right now so you could still call add content again um we should probably make that raise an exception to where you add more than you set it then it tells you that you can't do that uh, or eventually we could make it self like incrementing or whatever because really the the only time we lose the efficiency and end up remaking those tile grids is if the tab count changes. Um, so maybe eventually we'll make the code that's like, as long as it, as long as you don't change it, then it'll be efficient. It won't recreate things. But if you do change it, then maybe we'll give you the option to do that. And then that's where it's going to get less efficient because it's going to have to recreate all those tile grids. Uh, for now though, let's just say we're going to pass it in. Okay, so do we get the right size now? Looking better. Uh, yeah, actually, that looks good to me. So the problem that we have left now is that the labels are perfectly centered where they're supposed to be. Uh, I don't know a better way to describe it. I guess it's that this this label one is perfectly centered at one quarter of the screen. No, that's not right though, because this is not two quarters of the screen. That would be half. Are they fifths? I don't know. These are basically perfectly centered if you divvied up the screen into four columns, these labels are centered inside the four columns. I think, although I'm not actually 100% sure about the uh, space on the edges. I think that's how it is though. I think they're in the tabs right now, the tile grids that we drew, those are making it more difficult to tell. But I do think, yeah, I think if you divvied up the screen into four identically sized columns, these labels are in the middle, in the center of those columns. But our tabs are actually at the beginning of each column, not in the center. And our tabs also have to be a multiple of our tile size, which means they can't grow to the exact size we need sometimes. Um, they basically have a rule that's like, they'll go to the smallest size that fits within the actual number of pixels we have, which looks like it'll work this time. Um, but we do need to shift them a little bit still. So we basically want to... Ooh, 
what is that math going to be? So basically we want to shift them... So the start of the tab plus we're going to need two things in here. We want the basically want to add half of the width of the columns, these imaginary columns. We want to add half of the width of the column but then we want to subtract from that half of the width of the actual tile grid. So the columns are here. We could actually do um, tab count as well. This is the width of the column. So we're gonna go plus half of this, but then subtract the width. This one is gonna get a little bit gnarly here. We need to subtract the width of the tile grid times tile width. Because the width is in tiles and the tile width is in pixels and we want the pixels. We need to multiply the number of tiles by the actual size in pixels. And then we still need to divide that by two. So we multiply those and we divide that by two. And that should put our things in the center. And this is the math that anchor point and anchor position allows you to not care about as much. Real nice. Maybe one of these days I'll try to add anchor point and anchor position to tile grid. That'd be pretty cool. Seems like it could because it knows its width. Gotta hit the hay now. Uh, thanks, Tim. Good night, all. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for watching, David. So have a good night. Uh, so I think this will work. Let's give it a try. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. So we could still scoot the text down a little bit. Also, the text is probably a scotch big for these tabs, if I'm if I'm honest. Uh, but that's the beauty of this. Inflator is actually we can play with the tabs. I created this one as kind of like what happens if we create a bigger one. Uh, if we um, somewhat counterintuitively, if we switch to a smaller sprite sheet, uh, our tabs will actually have the ability to be a little bit bigger, which is weird that it works that way, but it does, I think. So let's make a different one of these. Um, I've made a few of these last night, but I'm going to make at least one more now. And I think I want a, let's go back to the smaller size. Let's go back to the 48 by 48. I'll just make a new one from scratch. That way you can see how this works all the way. Uh, start with transparent. We're going to get rid of the transparent eventually though, because we got to go to index BMP, of course. I'm going to go 48 by 48, which means my tile size is going to be 16 by 16. 
We basically assume that it's three tiles by three tiles. Even if the tile width is different than the tile height, like the one we were doing before, the tiles are wider than they are tall, which is like kind of a cool ability to be able to have. This one, they'll all be the same though. The tiles will all be 16 by 16. Um, so I'm gonna put the background as pink, which will be our transparency color. And then I'm gonna go, let's see, we're gonna go select a square. Select a square. I wanna not have margins on both sides. On the previous ones of these, like the one that's currently drawing, there's pink on the outsides, which will end up being margin because the pink is going to get turned to transparent. So I think I want my actual tab to run all the way to the edges, but I do want some transparency at the top for my rounded corners. I think go something like I don't know the best way to do this. I think I'm gonna make this bigger by a little bit, so three four. I'm gonna make this four pixels bigger. Two, three, four pixels bigger. And then found it all oh, right. I keep forgetting this. This thing uses this percent, not just pixels. I can't just easily. Okay, well, that turned out pretty well, actually. That's basically what I want. It worked pretty well. Uh, what color do we want to do? Let's do a green color for our outline. Know for sure if we'll end up wanting it. And we're just gonna copy paste this one more time. Layer. Scoot the second one down, which will have the effect of filling in my bottom corners here. We're pretty far away from the top, truthfully. Wonder more up here like this. And so now I want to go inside of that. In order to do that, I'm gonna go select by color. Oh right, right. Uh We'll go ahead and merge, flatten the image. So let's go select by color pink. Then let's go grow by, I think, two, because I want to grab more of these in-between pixels. Not quite. Oh, that was too much. Let's go grow by one.
Okay, that's pretty good. So then invert. So now I have the green selected instead of the pink. And shrink by, let's say, three pixels. And then fill this in with, let's do a gray. Do a relatively dark gray. You could tweak the colors of the labels as well if we need to. Fill this, and then I also want this to run off the bottom. I'm going to do this same trick copy paste, move down a little bit. There we go. Okay. It's a, it's a little chunky on the corner there. We'll see how it turns out when it's on the actual screen. I feel like that's pretty good, though. This will, this will do what we want. And we're at 48 by 48. Um, so let's go mode indexed. And then colors, map, rearrange. And basically, I'm going to move all of my pinks to the beginning. Because there's different shades of pink in the corner here, we actually are going to make multiple colors transparent. Basically going to make all the pinks transparent, which is going to cut all of them out from CircuitPython, essentially. From showing on the screen in CircuitPython. And so we have 0 through 6 all of those indexes, zeros through six, are all shades of pink. Now I'm gonna export this. I keep a copy of it in here. And name it very uncreatively, test bitmap five. Now we're going to copy that onto our device. Okay. Now I guess we need uh, inactive tab transparent indexes. And we're going to give it tuple range. Because 0 through 6 are all of our pinks, which are what we want to make transparent. So this is already built into the inflator. It already has this ability for us to um, declare one or more indexes to get made transparent. We do need to add it to the tab layout and just pass it down when the inflation happens. 
indexes the one we got past. Now when we call inflate, we will give it this. Uh, I should look inside the inflate function and make sure that it can handle none. Oh. I don't actually know if it can handle none. Yeah, okay. All right. They don't pass it, it'll be none, it'll get passed through as none, and it just won't do anything. If they do pass it, it can actually be either a tuple or a single index. If you only have one index you want to make transparent, then it's easy, you could just pass the one index. Um, but in my case, like with the pinks, we had six or seven different pinks, and I want to make them all transparent. I don't want any of that pink to show through. I think this should be working now. I already did that. Yeah, so let's see what we get. Um, I didn't change it to use the right... Yeah, we're still on four. There we go. And so like I was saying, the since we picked a smaller sprite sheet, even though it's it feels kind of counterintuitive, the smaller sprite sheet actually is going to allow these tabs to use up their space more efficiently to, to try to be bigger in this case. Um, because ultimately the width that you inflate it to has to be a multiple of the tile size. So by using a smaller tile size, 16 by 16, instead of the previous one, which was 32 by 24, we make it so there's more multiples possible within the actual size that we want. It has to choose the, uh, it has to choose the largest one that is a multiple of the tile size that fits within the actual width that we have, the size of our imaginary columns. Um, so this one actually looks better. I will say the text looks a little too big here. We probably want to drop it back down to scale two or the other thing we could try which eventually i think this will be user configurable but right now it's hard-coded we could give this a height of three that we inflate it our target size when we inflate we could say is three which would actually make our tabs bigger um actually i kind of like the looks of that especially because well, let me see the other one again especially because eventually we're going to end up with touch Screen, right and yeah this feels like it would be kind of a small target zone it probably would still work truthfully especially if you use a stylus um that would still be pretty easy to hit with the stylus right now there's no touch interaction so when i touch nothing happens but eventually we want to make it to where you touch these and then it you know focuses that tab for you um so yeah, let's go up to, I think let's go up to three. 
And if the user wants a shorter one, you could always provide a sprite sheet that's shorter. Like my sprite sheet is 48 by 48, which means the tiles are 16 by 16. Theoretically, I could provide a sprite sheet that is say 48 by 30. And then my tiles would be 16 width and only 10 height, which would then make my three tiles a shorter amount of pixels so you you have like really fine-tuned control based on the the size of your sprite sheet how this is going to end up looking and what size it's going to end up being um you think let's chunk it back to three for now though because i three this will be better this is a better height for actual finger touchscreen as opposed to stylus And so we do still have margin in between. I don't, I guess we're gonna always have that unless we just coincidentally land on a perfect multiple of the tile size. So the screen, this screen happens to be 480 width, 480 over four, what? 120. So this does not divide evenly by 16. If we chose a tile size that does divide evenly into 120, then there would be no gaps here. It would fill the columns perfectly. Let's test that. We might as well while we're here. So let's say Instead of 16 width, what do we want to do? 20 width? 20 would divide out. Or do we want to go smaller? No. I think I want to go any smaller. Try 20. I'm actually going to cheat a little bit. I'm just going to go... Um, so basically, we would want to change the width of this to be 60. Size width 60. And I want it unconnected because I don't want to change the height. Size. Now this layer, I want to go to image size. Ooh. Back to RGB. Then this layer size that. Uh, okay, Control A, Control C, paste a new layer. Oops. New layer. Hmm. Okay. Gonna do the same thing. It's not gonna do the same thing. Okay, I have no idea why that's different, but this is actually what I want. And I'm gonna cheat. I'm just gonna scale. Uh, ideally, we would rebuild this to actually have the right curves. 
is its raster graphics and it's going to lose some sharpness by scaling it like this. So the lines are going to get thicker and some other weird stuff like that. But I'm going to do that for now. What happened down here? Oh, okay. Do that part. There, okay. So now we're gonna save this one as six, and this one has an even tile size. Yeah, I mean, this is a bit of a pain, I guess, like having to, if you want it to come out perfectly, then you kind of have to do the math and figure out the right size to make your sprite sheet. Um, but I like that it has a sane default, even if you don't bother to do that, because like, I mean, it still looks pretty good like this. The The gap is not too bad, and realistically, the gap is similar to how believe this one works which is ultimately portal interface face this is ultimately what we are aiming for i guess it's kind of difficult to tell these might not have too much of a gap between them but this is kind of the interface we want we should change the colors Use a different color of gray for not focused. Uh, or maybe what we could do is use white for not focused and then like green for focused or something. That's the beauty of this though, is you'll be able to choose all of this stuff. You can configure it however you want. Uh, so we made six, let's copy six to our board. Later six, copy, vice, paste into bitmaps. Change this over to use six now. And I think this will get rid of our margins in between our tabs. I'm pretty sure. Ah, and convert it back. Next. And make sure all my pinks are at the beginning still too. Oh, oh, that is, huh. that is unfortunate. All right, so our, our cheating caught up to us. Just scaling that thing caused that to go crazy on us, honestly. Uh, so I'm going to just redo it. Click OK. I want a new layer. I'm just going to basically pretend these ones don't exist. Get my pink back, put my background in. Pink back for real. My background in. I just kind of did four pixels bigger and that seemed to work out pretty well.
four pixels on either side would actually be 68 total. And then we want to start on minus four, so we have four on each side. I want it something like this. Then we go select rounded. Leave that default. Yeah. Like scrunched it inside, didn't it? If we go, oh, I can't get it back. Can I? Um, this while we're here, fancy masky thingy, pencil tool, black, white. better way of getting rid of the corners instead of doing the copy-paste thing like I did before. Corners should be gone. Back to regular. Now, fill it with green. Drink it. seems good um yeah i think i'll just do this fill it so we're gonna fill it with the gray same gray i had do this in a new layer i don't know if it matters fill it and then i am Gonna do my same trick here, copy paste down, because I do want it to run off the bottom. Oh, we got this weird thing here. I do want a new layer. Weird. Oh. oh, okay, that's... I don't know why we had one pixel different there. Then shrink this by three. Yep, fill it with gray. Why did it do it again? Okay. Although copy paste is not going to work because curves are going to show up. So I'm actually just going to take a new slice of it right here. Put that down. Okay. 
Now we go mode indexed. Fingers crossed we don't have a billion pinks. Still have a billion pinks. How do we have so many more than last time? RGB. Select by color pink. Throw. Let me try to get rid of some of our pinks here. Throw by one. And then basically hard fill. Okay, now it's more jagged. It's less like anti-aliased or whatever. Dithered, I don't know the right term for that, but more sharp. Which should mean we have many, many fewer different pinks. Hopefully just a few. Is it keeping all of this stuff? Because we only we have like one one or two maybe if you count this pixel right here as partially pink, and maybe this one here, I mean, we should have like two or three tops. Okay, much better. Yeah, it must have been keeping those other layers still in the palette. The first two are pinks. All right, so that took a minute, but now we're there. I think I'm, yeah, just redoing six. Six basically was a failed one. Did already change it. Uh, we will do range only. Well, actually we could just hard code the tuple one and two, honestly. Zero and one, rather.
I didn't change the mode back. After all of that, I made the exact same mistake as I did last time. Oh no, I didn't. It's back to indexed. Oh, I didn't. I didn't copy it over. Okay, yeah. So we exported it to here. I actually need to copy it from here into device. Right. Yep. Nice. So that did work. So you can get rid of all of the margin between your tabs by basically ensuring that your tab, your tile size ultimately is relative to the size of your sprite sheet. It will be one third of the width of your sprite sheet. If you make sure that is equal, is an even multiple of the size you're putting your tab layout in divided by the number of tabs you have. If you want four tabs, you take your screen width divided by four. And then as long as your tile size from your sprite sheet can divide evenly into that screen size over four, then you end up like this, where they are butt up right next to each other. There's no gap between them. I will change the gray. Um, we get our color from right now. Tab text color and showing tab text color. So those default to gray and white. Why don't we reset them in our test code here? Uh, tab showing color, showing tab color, showing tab text color. Uh, so let's make the one that is showing kind of like this green sort of. Oh. All the ones that are not currently active will be white or pretty close to white. There we go. Yeah, I like that. But again, like, you can make it whatever you want. This is good for testing. But you really have, like, lots of ability to customize this. Um, it's looking pretty good. I will say our pages are a little high, right? Like, they are basically touching the tabs. Would be nice if they weren't. Oh. Okay. Uh, get another look at two again.
about with the text scale not so big? Tab text scale. We have it. Oh, we don't. We have it only on two actually. That's not bad. Still legible, to me at least, to my eye. I think the real test is the touch. Let's leave it like this, and then once we end up building in the touch, that's when we will really, I think, be knowing if this is too small or not. Developer-friendly customization you built in. Yeah, I that was one of my, like, design goals with this widget was, like, I really wanted to support a bunch of different visuals for the tabs, but not, like, I want it to be easy to do, at least as easy as it can be, and I feel like the way this sprite sheet works, I'm not going to say it's the easiest thing in the world to do. It's kind of, a, you know, a pain to fiddle with all the pixels and to get it the exact right width if you do want it to be the exact right width. Um, but it's not too hard and it does give you like a really, really big degree of flexibility, uh, which I think is nice. I really like the idea of people being able to like from, from project to project, like be able to use this core component, but it could still look entirely different than a different project. I don't want to like, you know, make a window design, you know, theme or whatever. And then just like everything looks like that. And to customize i really wanted it to be and we might offer a default one but i wanted it to be easy to really get into the nitty-gritty and change how it's going to look i feel like we've done that pretty well um so the other thing i do want to kind of try to do is have an active tab sprite sheet as well so we would pass a second one of these and then it would change the active tab when the tab is active. Um, trying to think though if I'm actually gonna have enough time to do that. Because I am gonna wrap it up before too long. We've been going actually, time has flown. We've already been going about an hour and 50 minutes. Is that right? Let me double check. Where is our YouTube time? How long have you been running? Nobody knows. Okay. Well, somebody knows, but this page sure doesn't. Anyway, I started at four my time, and it's almost it's ten minutes till six my time. So we've been going almost two hours. I'd like to see the primary tab color match the page background when activated. Primary tab color match the page background. I'm not sure if I understand what you mean. So basically in the case of this example here, since my pages have a black background, the uh, active tab, the sh well, I think I called it showing, the showing tab would have black instead of gray. Is that what you mean basically, Seagrover? in the context of this particular example, at least.
Because that part we do, we have easy ability to customize. We could basically just make a different one of these. Um, what I could do is just, yes. So it looked like the same sheet of paper, okay. So in this case, we know, I mean, you have to know ahead of time kind of what your backgrounds here are gonna be, which of course the user could have supplied a different one. So like, you know, the tab layout can't necessarily enforce that very well. But the user, the developer who is developing a program with the tab layout could certainly could certainly do that by just providing the right color here. So the way that would work is we would basically say we want one of these where it's black instead of gray. We'd basically do this, maybe grow one, grow one. Let's look at grow one. And it's a little bit bigger than I wanted. So let's go back. Um, kind of nitpicking on these couple pixels here. I don't know how they're going to end up. Let's just try it like this and see how it goes. Uh, so then let's go paint bucket, black, Oh, uh, colors, mode, RGB, paint bucket. Bucket again? No, it doesn't change. What if we don't select? Control, shift, A. Again, does it get bigger? No. Let's leave it like that. I don't know, these pixels might be kind of brighter when they actually get drawn. May end up wanting to fill a few more of those black, but that's really, really nitpicking the pixels at that point. So I'll leave it like this for now. Uh, and then, you know, I don't know, if we wanted to change the, the green or something, we could do that. Um, I don't know if we really want to do that right now. Still have a different color here for some, that's super weird. Uh, yeah, I won't mess with the green. I'll leave the green how it is. Or, yeah, I'm gonna leave it how it is for now. Obviously you can change it, a bunch of different ways you can change it, but I'm gonna leave it how it is. So I'll export this as seven. Hopefully when you're actually using these as tabs, you would name one like active and one inactive. That would be the, the best type of names to use probably. Still in testing mode though here, so I'm still just bumping my index. Put seven here, and then we would say active is seven, inactive is six. But then, of course, we need the actual code to do it inside of here, which will be a little more complex. Uh, will it? Maybe it won't be. Well, we'll need. So first thing we'll need is like active. Oh, all oh, right, we're gonna need a transparent. Oh, I didn't put the mode back. Back. 
Lakers. So still one and two, or, well, zero and one. We export this as seven. We copy it to my device. One of these days I'll remember to do this before exporting it the first time. We create two tab objects in the same bitmap, different palettes. That is true. We do that. I don't think I want the tab layout to. Really know or manipulate the palettes, though. But I, I think like that's off the top of my head right now. I don't think I want the tab layout to know or manipulate the palettes, but I could maybe be convinced. Really, I think what it comes down to is what the code looks like. As long as the API is not super difficult to use, then maybe I'd be all right with that. But I don't have a clear idea exactly how it would work. I'd have to play with it some to see if it was like something that I don't think I like or if it is something that I do think I like. Uh, for now, though, I'm just going to go with a different image altogether. Uh, but really, it won't be that different. All we really will do is just another one of these. We don't actually need this anymore because we ended up using tab count instead. Multi Nico code. Yeah, I saw that in the Nico. I just don't know how it will is the tab layout doesn't know the background of the pages or like really anything about the palettes other than the only the one thing it knows about the palettes right now are which indexes are meant to be transparent. So somehow you would have to tell it like which index it needs to change and then what color it needs to change to. And if you, like the case of the multiple pinks like we had before so like this one we have multiple grays there's like one two three you know we're getting pretty close to green with the next one but we have at least three colors here that are different shades of gray so then like do we want to have it rewrite all three of those indexes to black or just one of them um it gets, in my mind at least, it starts getting hairy trying to create an API where the user can convey to it which indexes within the palette to update and what colors to update them to. Whereas, like this, they just provide their own secondary sprite sheet. This also allows you to do totally different things. Like, you could make the inactive tab smaller. Uh, you could make it not go all the way to the edge for the inactive ones, and then the active one grows a little bit. Like you can change more than just the color this way. Uh, you can change any aspect you want by providing this. Yeah, it had only three index, then it, then it would be easier. That's definitely true. But because we are basically just supporting an arbitrary sprite sheet here, we have no way to guarantee that it will be 
uh, three. And the fact that we do just have an arbitrary image means that there can be this like anti-aliasing effect that's making the blend between the colors a little bit smoother. So active, we would basically just do the active. Create the tile grid. Need to save this on self. And then, hmm. It's weird because basically we end up with one too many. I don't know if I like doing it this way. I'm going to write it this way and I may go back and change it. Uh, so we basically go at the end of this while loop, cry equals plus equals one. And here, whoops, if cry less than Length of names minus one. Do this, create an inactive. Else. Create an active. Then down here, it's just looping over the group, which will contain the inactive one as well. So one thing is though, our which one is active will not actually update, but I think we should get one of them drawn as active at least. Yeah. So uh, we need to fix the transparency for one thing. are actually the same. Flexibility of an arbitrary image is a great feature. Useful for shadows. Yep, shadows is another one. Uh, and 3D type effects. That's definitely a good point as well, yeah. Okay, so this does look good. I do like this idea of the same color, so thank you for that for sure. Um, I definitely love the way this looks. This looks pretty similar to how I think my brain expects it to look, so that's a good call. And then right now our problem is that we aren't changing the active one. Basically just staying the uh, active tile grid on the first index, whereas the actual active page is changing the colors. So that's where we get a little weird. I think we do that. 
Also, don't know if I'm going to solve it right now, truthfully. Let me take a look. See what kind of plan I come up with. And if it feels like a plan I can do in a couple of minutes, I'll give it a try. But if not, then I may call it a night here. So right now we're placing them here. We're just going by eye. And basically... We have all of them in our group. We're iterating over our group. The last one is the active one or the first one is the active one must be the first one huh but that's weird because cur i would be less than names most of the time first three times and then the final time when it would create the active. So shouldn't the active one be the last one in the group, which then wouldn't it have gotten drawn on the right edge and not the left edge? Or I enumerate that will start on zero. Start of tab is i times tab width. So on the first one, that will be zero. And then we ended up with zero plus all this stuff, which really must be the first one, right? This is close to zero x. In fact, it might even be at zero x. Huh. I don't know why the first one is the active one and not the last one. I'm going to, just for debugging's sake, at the bottom of this, obviously we'll take this back out, but I'm going to just go add tile grids group 0x plus equals 50. Does the active one actually scoot to the right? It does. Out of range. I guess because it calls this the first time.
Oh, it got repositioned back by my internal code, but it was it did change the last one. So basically, they're showing up in the reverse order of what I was expecting. I was expecting the last one in the list to be the active one and the first one to not be. I guess it's because the first time that draw tabs gets called, it's during add content. The first time add content gets called, it calls draw tabs for the first time. At that time, the length of names is one. The cur i is zero. Zero is not less than one minus one. Zero is equal to one minus one. So else happens, we create the active one, we add it to our thing. The next time that draw tabs gets called, names is now two. So are, are we re recreating? Are we recreating? Anyway, I think we're not going to figure this out right now, I think is the short of it. Um, aside from not knowing, not really necessarily understanding, I think I'm, well, I think I'm on the right path to understanding the order. I think I was right there. The first time we end up doing this because this is not true. The next time, the next time we call draw tabs, we would start back on zero. Length of names would be two. Our current length would be one. One is less than two, so we're gonna go inside of here. We create our label. Cur i starts on zero. Zero is less than two minus one. So we go into here. So basically what's happening is this is written as a while loop, but it's actually only executing once each time we call draw tabs. Pretty much under normal circumstances. This is basically only ever executing one time through this while loop. Whereas in my head, it was actually running four times, but that's not the case. It's running once each time because names is increasing by one each time and length of tab labels group is also increasing by one because that's what we're adding right here. So this is getting bigger and it's always one less than names. It means we're executing this once. The first time it does the active tab, every other time it does the inactive tabs because zero is always less than however many names we have minus one after the first time. Yes, okay. That's why the active one is first, but I think that probably should get a refactor because uh, I think that's a weird way for it to work, truthfully. The fact that this is a while loop makes it seem like it should loop multiple times, but it's not actually. I think what, what we should do is take into account the tab count. Instead of this loop being based off of these names, we, I think, should have a separate loop based on the tab count. 
since we made the user pass in the tab count, we can just use that instead of names. And then we should actually loop four times. The first time we call draw tabs, it should loop four times, create the three inactive tabs, the one active one, put them in the group. And then at that point, we'll be ready to figure out the problem of moving the active one to the correct the correct tab when it's active. But I think I want to do that refactor and I don't think I'm going to do it right now because I'm about to go grocery shopping instead. Uh, let me read up here. I'm tempted to sort the tab object so that the active one is always in the top layer of the tab group. Makes the width less critical too. Possibly would defeat using indexes though. How's it going, Johnny? Uh, unfortunately, I'm just about to head out. Uh, so you can catch the, uh, the replay if you want to see what we, what we did today. To sort the tabs so that the active one is always on top. Yeah, I mean, I think that's how we will end up because how I would like this to work is loop four times and then the fourth time through the loop is where we will create the active tab which means it will be the last one inside of the tab tile grids group right now it's the first one in but instead i want it to be the last one in which means it would always also be on top of all the other tabs technically uh, so if you found a way to make your tabs like poke out of the columns or something the active one would be on top of the inactive ones, which does definitely make sense. Although I think you might have trouble trying to make it poke out with the way that the sprite sheets work. No, I'm not actually 100% positive though, truthfully, so. But that's that will solve that as well. By making sure our active one is the last one in our group, then it will always be on top and it will always stay sorted as well. We don't have to explicitly sort it because uh, we'll loop when we first create it and we'll create it, the active one as the last one. And then the order will never change after that. The X index, the X pixel, the X location will change, but not the order in the group. Order in the group will stay the same. I think that'll be our plan. Um, I am going to head out for now, going to do some grocery shopping tonight, and then I'll be back tomorrow morning. So if folks want to continue on this adventure of the tab layout tomorrow morning, you can find me on uh, Twitch and YouTube. It is on a different Twitch account, a different YouTube, though. It's not under Adafruit. Right now we're on the Adafruit stream because this is a Adafruit deep dive. Um, you know, Scott was doing these, but obviously Scott, the, uh, the lead developer of CircuitPython, he's out right now because he just had a child. Uh, so he's got many, many other things going on in his life, certainly. Um, at some point, he'll probably be back and take back over this slot. But I usually stream Saturday mornings on my own account, FoamyGuy uh, underscore Twitch uh, on Twitch. And um, I'll post the links in the Discord as well. So if you do join the Discord in that live broadcast chat, which is what's showing on the screen, I'll drop the links in the morning right before I get started. And I think tomorrow I'll pick it up where I left off here. We'll try to get the... Uh, creation of these tabs working a little bit better uh, differently I guess I don't know if it's better or worse but hopefully better but differently certainly I don't want to just loop this one at a time instead I want to do all four at once do the ordering we talked about and then after that we'll be able to do the X 
Uh, so what is morning? Yeah, good question. We are, you'll be looking at, so whatever time it is, um, I, sh I meant to actually figure this out in UTC and then like put it as my background or something. Um, basically, uh, six hours from now is 15 after midnight. So uh, 15 and three quarters hours from right now. 16 hours and then minus the 15 minutes whatever time that is where you're at then that's when i'll be streaming next um and again though if you just come to that live broadcast chat um, i'll drop the links when i'm about to start so that's another way you can find it as well 10 a.m central time is what it is too if you want to look it up in your own time zone you can convert 10 a.m central time to whatever your local time is and that should be the time i'm starting 1 a.m. Oh, uh, you are, sorry, not 1 a.m. I am, I am CET. Uh, yeah, thank you, uh, Johnny, for the link there. Um, so yeah, I'll head out for now. Thank you to everybody who watched. Um, Ask Patrick, probably left a little while ago. Johnny, Tammy, we had a bunch of folks. C. Grover, thanks for helping out. Uh, and all the suggestions. Aoi, uh, you're the one, I think, who... Um, reviewed my page layout thank you for doing that i didn't get to it today but i will get to that tomorrow i'll go and we could probably merge it with the one other review so as long as i'm remembering correctly i think you're the one that did that thank you for doing that by the way uh franklin i don't think i'm not sure if i ever said hi to franklin but hello to franklin if you're watching gambler Amy zarnalin s patrick naradoc liz thank you to all you folks uh and yeah i'll be back tomorrow morning and i'll be back next week at the same time as well for a deep dive s patrick's back nice uh hesitant road thanks for watching yep appreciate you watching and yeah i'll be back uh tomorrow morning and then next week uh friday afternoon in my time at least deep dive time so until then hope everybody has a good day good night good weekend all that stuff thank you again to everybody